This is your Week in Gaming, episode 3, recorded for the 31st of March 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, Chris takes on farming, Sam visits Zelda, I delve into fungus, and Richard ports to next gen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three of uh, your week in gaming for the 31st of March. And uh, today's National Crayon Day, apparently, uh, according to Google. So uh, I've brought out the other crayons from our box. Hello, Richard Crayon, Samantha Crayon, and Chris Crayon. Why is it your box? <laughs> I thought I was the host, therefore I just assumed my box. Wait, okay, I thought we were co-hosts. What is yeah. this? Host. Our box of crayons. How does that sound? Nah, it sounds like you're the kid and we're still the crayons. <laughs> okay, you know what? Just based off of that, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit and say I'm a white crayon because next to me, everyone looks better. And apparently that's that's what I do on this podcast. It's Andrew's podcast and I simply serve to make him look better. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly Sam, had to, well, if she had to pick a crayon, she'd be white. Uh, Richard, if you had to be a crayon... What color crayon you know, would you be? You know when you used to use those cloth uh, pencil cases and after a while, like after a few years, they would start to get all that like gunky bits of crayon at the bottom that would mold together and make like this kind of strange gray purple. Yeah. That's my crayon. Also, what? maybe maybe if um, if I were to go off the, the Myers-Briggs insights, then I would be a red crayon because that's my personality type. I did not know <laughs> personality types had crayons. Hold up. Yeah. No, not crayons specifically, but colors. But uh, yeah, I prefer the purple-gray mix of mashed-up crayons at the end of your like grade two year. Oh, apparently <laughs> I am uh, shades of green, brown, and tan. Thank you, Myers-Briggs. I hate you. That just seems like it's a mishmash of everything. It's uh, all nonsense anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Much. Not peer-reviewed? No. Not at it all. It is peer-reviewed. That's the problem. What? <laughs> Hold on. Just deleting my... <clears throat> Is it on your CV? Uh, oh, it was. <laughs> it was. It was, and now it's off. Uh, and on. last but not least, last but not least, Chris, <laughs> if you had to be a crayon, what color crayon would you be? So you know when you're in like B primary or whatever they call it these days, and you're that one kid who's like the star, and like this kid is already drawing like Boruto anime like level with his crayons, and everyone's like six or whatever age you are. And then, like, you get the oh, kid in the... How old were you in kindergarten? Everyone <laughs> else was six. <laughs> and you got that one kid who then is the complete opposite, who's, like, terrible, and they don't even give him a crayon. That was me. I will say <laughs> that I have lost some respect for you because your go-to anime character was Boruto. Uh, it's just because the internet has been having a war about who would win, Boruto or Gohan. Obviously, it's Gohan. So that was just top of mind, and I didn't want to be True. drawing Gohan. Because, like, I would have f***ed that up. Boruto is... is not canon as far as I'm concerned, so. <laughs> Everybody just ignores it like it doesn't exist. <laughs> Boruto just sounds like a Chinglish mistranslation of Naruto to me. <laughs> well, that is exactly what that anime is. So there you go. You've hit the nail on it. <laughs> that was terrible. Oof. We've just alienated everyone under 24. But everyone above 24 is now like, yes, they know what's up. There we go. I think we found our target audience, ladies and gents. <laughs> Gaming news now, and uh, Dark and Darker, the PvPVE game by Iron Mace, has gone further than its title name, as it has gone entirely. 
IGN reports and also from Eurogamer that the game has been delisted from Steam as the developer was served with a cease and desist letter and subsequent DMCA takedowns. This was noticed when some players reported some gaming features abruptly stopped working, followed by info being scrubbed from the Steam page overnight. A Reddit post by the other team uh, was made and announced that uh, this DMCA takedown was issued by Nexon based on uh, distorted claims, apparently. This was followed earlier this month that uh, IMS's offices were searched by Korean officials on speculation that it might be in possession of stolen code and assets as almost half of their team was made up of old Nexon employees. It is obviously still a bit of a developing story at the moment, but yeah, it's a startup a company that has now been served with uh, these DMCA takedown notes. And the game looked phenomenal. I mean, it's still developing. There's been another statement by Iron Mace themselves actually stating that, look, these are these codes that they are claiming or the, uh, the assets that they're claiming as theirs was actually purchased on the Unreal Engine marketplace. So it's, it's a bit of a he said, she said, I suppose we're just going to have to watch how this, uh, this plays out. I have a quick question. Mm. Raided by North Korean police or South Korean police? South Korean. It's, that changes it's, everything. <laughs> it's two. It's um, two South Korean uh, uh, gaming entities, and as mentioned, just Nexon is made up their team. Like half of their team. Well, sorry, IMS's team was is made up half of old Nexon employees that came over to the startup to actually develop this game dark and darker. Yeah, so so as I understood it, there was an excellent employee who was fired during COVID for leaking confidential documentation. And then he and a bunch of other Nexon people, so a bunch of other Nexon people then left and they started up this Iron Mace and they started making Dark and Darker. And Nexon have come out and they've said, oh, but we were busy developing something similar. You guys have stolen our stuff. You're trying to profit off of that. Cease and desist. And this is actually similar to something that happened with Bleak Faith. You were mentioning about the Steam Marketplace. And I think it was Elden Ring. I forget who their developers are. But they came out and they said, all of your assets are from our game. And Bleak Faith are like, but it was on the Steam Marketplace. Uh, or the Epic Marketplace or whatever it's called. Yeah, so so there's a whole lot of stuff like that, like similar going on at the moment. But I do know that Iron Mace did give a response to this on... Somebody made a YouTube video. It's called uh, Iron Mace Claps Back. So if people want to go check that out, you can. Uh, as I say, it is on YouTube. Uh, and basically, Iron Mace was saying that Nexon are trying to make a bunch of frivolous claims to squash... Iron Mace under the financial pressure pressure of a lawsuit. So, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be curious to see how it actually does wind itself out, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where currently just with what we've been given in terms of information is big corporate is pushing down on a small startup, trying to cripple them under the legal costs to actually fight this. Which either means, which is probably going to mean that this game is going to be heavily delayed, or it could just end up meaning that this entire the startup will just close and the project will be done, which kind of sucks because it's a pretty great game. But here's the thing, though. Like, I think that if so, if this works, if Nixon managed to squash Iron Mace, all right, Iron Mace goes to Kickstarter and they go, guys, this this thing happened. We want to finish the game. There's already been a couple of playtests. I think there's a, a demo maybe or, or a beta or something, but there's been a lot of like 
people playing the game and checking it out and getting a feel for it and whatever. I think if if they get in trouble and they just stick this on Kickstarter, they'll be up and running in a couple of months. Easy. Let's hope that it doesn't have to necessarily go towards that. Some cool news. So this has been around since kind of 2019. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This was announced some time ago. It was nameless. Um, it was teased way back when. I think last year they announced the actual name of the game. It is taking place in the same universe as Breath of the Wild. So it is a sequel. And uh, so this is going to get a little bit confusing in my head. But as at the time of recording, the the gameplay direct is yet to happen. But when the episode goes live on Friday, it will have happened. Uh, there should be, they predict about 10 minutes of gameplay that uh, you can go and check out. So as you're hearing this right now, uh, it is available. So you can go check that out if you haven't already. And it's going to be the first real look at the game that we're getting before its release in May. So it is just around the corner. And it looks pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty exciting because as I said, right, same place. Uh, Breath of the Wild, Hyrule, that whole thing. But now you can also take to the skies. So there's like a, a flying mechanic or like a gliding mechanic. There's like dungeons in the clouds and stuff. Uh, it looks incredibly dope. And uh, it is, of course, a Switch exclusive. So, yay! But uh, if you're interested in uh, Legend of Zelda, then yeah, that's that'll, that'll be available by the time you hear this. I mean, it's the reason most people bought a Switch, right? It's for Breath of the Wild. So it, it go, mm -hmm. it's... Probably no, going to be no surprise when this game sells like crazy and becomes one of the biggest selling games of the year, if not ever. And it looks pretty good. It looks like a, a, a natural evolution on, on the first game and with the new hardware and new capabilities that have been discovered and unlocked when it comes to code optimization and all that sort of stuff on the, on the, on the Nintendo Switch's hardware. It should be, it should be a no-brainer that this is going to be a definite pickup for pretty much all Switch owners. Never really understood Legend of Zelda. Never played one. Don't, Don't understand, really understand the... you, to be honest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was going to ask. Someone needs to explain it to me. But now, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's a great, great It's game. like Pokemon for grown-ups, basically. <laughs> Wait, but that's Pokemon. <laughs> Well, I'll be okay, honest, so I, I like never got Pokemon uh, Zelda Pokemon for people either. who don't want to tell people they play Pokemon. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, I, I, so I, when I got my Switch, I actually got it for Pokemon, and it came with Breath of the Wild. And I played for like two minutes, and then I got bored. I should probably give it a proper go, like longer than two minutes, but uh, yeah. It, Wait, uh, you've never played Breath of the Wild? I played it for two minutes, okay? <laughs> okay. okay. I, I beat you. I put about 20 or so hours into Breath of the Wild on my Switch. And Freaking, then you got bored? <laughs> no, I got I got sidetracked with PC oh. games again, unfortunately. But the Switch, was, it was a ton of fun. It was a, such a beautiful game. Yeah, if, if you haven't played it and you are able to get your hands on it, I would 100% recommend it. Uh, really good. And uh, the sequel looks just as good. And, and, and it's going to sell It's visually out. stunning. Remind me, Andrew, what do you have 100 hours in again you spoke about last week? Mm -hmm. F1 Manager 2022. And you got 20 hours in this. Just just clarify, yeah? 20 hours in this, eh? Yeah, about 20 okay. hours. Okay, cool. Yeah. You guys are selling the Switch really well. Just, just <laughs> it's so a good you thing know. it sells itself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We, they don't need us to do that at all. And for, for what it's worth, I've got about 1,200 in Counter-Strike. Nerd. <laughs> Isn't Hyrule for Breath of the Wild like one of the biggest open world maps ever as well in terms of scale? It's uh, it's massively yeah, big. It I, I mean, Chris, Chris, to be uh, genuine for a second and to kind of explain what you mean when you why Legend of Zelda was such a big thing when when it when the first one came out on 
uh, NES. I can't remember when, but it was it was a long time ago. It probably was like the grandest game in terms of scale and and, and the actual you know play length you can get out of a game. Because when we're talking about NES, we're talking about games like Battle Tanks and the wrestling games and oh, the Tetrises no. and you know. So when when you presented with Legend of Zelda, which has a lot of playtime and a lot of story and in depth mechanics and all that sort of stuff, it's not. It's almost like something that had never been seen before no. on NES. So that's basically why it became so big. And then when Zelda 2 came out, it was even bigger, you know, and it just spiraled out of control. So there's a lot of uh, nostalgia and a lot of, like, you know, people that are my age that are, you know, remember the older games fondly and the amount of playtime you got out of them on, on NES. So I think it's it's that, and, and they've evolved it quite nicely, and it has quite a lot of rich lore. And if you're into, like... If you're into fantasy, then it's it's got a lot of uh, a lot of depth to it as well. Is it sort of like an equivalent to like Final Fantasy in that scope and detail? And like- yeah, yeah, it it is. I think it's probably the Nintendo sort of equivalent to Final Fantasy and where it came from. Final Fantasy, I think, is sort of more um, action orientated, whereas uh, Zelda was turn based. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains it. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. The other two uh, explanations were terrible. <laughs> For what it's worth, The Legend of Zelda that released on the NES came out in 1986. I was uh, not born yet. <laughs> neither was I. And uh, it sold about 6.51 million copies. Damn. I mean, there were yeah, I mean like in, in the 80s, people. that's massive. In the 80s, yeah. that's, that was an insanely big game. To give you an idea, Breath of the Wild that released in 2017, 30.7. Sure. So... Massive, but also remember those eight, that six million copies didn't include all of the knockoff Chinese uh, NES emulated hardware and all of those, you know, the twenty rand cartridges you could get from the random <laughs> shops. And that, that's that's genuine NES cartridges and machines. Oh, yeah. I had one of those knockoffs. I think it was called a Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Your. <Sorry. laughs> The, the Mega Drive was the first Sega console to come out that rivaled it, and it was way before the Dreamcast. So it was a good joke, but a little bit, uh, the time or timeline's a bit wrong. Hey, we're editing this out. <laughs> you, none of you will ever hear that. The joke still stands. <laughs> if you just can't get enough of the hundreds of roguelikes and roguelike titles coming out today, then you'll be awfully pleased that Risk of Rain is getting a remake. PC Gamer reports this week that Risk of Rain returns captures the decade-old fun and happy times of the original Risk of Rain provided uh, and stays true to the original as best it can. This premise is simple. In the game, you run your way through 2D levels while murdering enemies and picking up items until you eventually stumble upon a teleporter that will whisk your way to the next level. You do this over and over again, increasing difficulty levels and over and over again until you die. And once you're dead, you start again because it's a roguelike. Fantastic. So Risk of Rain is not even that old. I I will go a lot on a lot about remakes a little later on, but if you're remaking 10-year-old games, man, it's not like roguelites have massively deep stories and need to be remade over and over again. This isn't the Skyrim depth. It's a game where you're running around killing monsters and then finding a teleporter and going to another level. That is pretty much the same with a few more monsters. So cool. Risk of Rain was probably one of the best roguelikes in the last, say, 10 years. Um, and it's great that it's getting remade, but I think it, we should be putting our effort into uh, into maybe new games. Where's my Donkey Kong remake? No. <laughs> we don't. What do you mean? No. 
No, we don't. We don't. I, I think it's a good idea. And then also remake Islander while you're at it. Like, I miss that game. No. I'm not aware of any official Donkey Kong remakes, but there are a ton of fan remakes. You know, when Flash in a browser was a was a big thing, there was a load of Donkey Kongs for Flash in like the mm. early 2000s. So I'm sure if you wanted a new Donkey Kong, you'll be able to find one. Just go and hunt down a Flash file from the internet, which I'm pretty sure won't be compromised whatsoever. The only roguelike game that I think I've actually played in the last 10 years uh, was last year, and that was Hades, which was... Hades is good. Hades Mm. was so good. So tough as well, but so rewarding when you actually got things right. It was... Oh, 10 out of 10 game that. No, I must be honest. I've never been much into roguelikes and roguelites and those. I don't know. It just doesn't capture my uh, attention or my imagination. I feel like it's far too repetitive, says the person who plays Sunhaven. Yeah, I I feel the same. I I can get behind roguelites where there's a little bit of progress every time and you're saving skills or you're unlocking weapons that you can use for your next runs. So you're slowly becoming more powerful, even though you're dying a lot and restarting a lot. But roguelites like Enter the Gungeon and The Binding of Isaac and all those games where you basically just play for an hour or two and then restart the whole thing. I need progress, man. Like, I I don't have enough gaming time in my life to replay things over and over again and i just don't find it fascinating to do and yeah there's loads of pre-generated things and there's lots of rng that can make your playthroughs different but it's just not the same i I like progression i like to see myself go from like half naked man to man wearing very stylish armor to man wearing ridiculous colors and making himself look as stupid as possible because i'm top max level and i just don't have anything else to do you know that natural (laughs) rpg progression i like that i want it i don't want to play roguelikes because they're repetitive and nonsense, but I understand their appeal for people who uh, are maybe more casual or more hardcore. They kind of straddle the line between being for people who like to play games for an hour and then stop for a month and all people who are constantly playing games and content creators and YouTubers who like to yell and scream at their screen because they've died after an hour and a half and they've had a good run or whatever. Anyway, that's my roguelite rant. <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about a little bit of a playable that <laughs> it's again bordering close to something that richard is going to be talking about a little bit later however i do feel it's a little bit more inclusive uh, following the success of hbo's successful show adaptation of the last of us by naughty dog and sony interactive its release on pc may be incredibly well timed the game was first released on the PlayStation 3 in June 2013 and is a game that has stood the sands of time with it being ported to next-gen consoles and now on PC. So, for you PC gamers, you can enjoy the game with the release of The Last of Us Part 1, which is the day of recording, Tuesday the 28th of March. So, a little bit in the past. Uh, it's an incredibly big download, 75 gigs. But uh, I digress. So, like, if you... Like me, have been living under a few rocks by the other pond. The story essentially starts in 2013 when a mutant fungus called Cordyceps transforms its host into aggressive mutants. As a, as a player, you control Joel through part of the other story, fleeing the city with your brother Tommy and your daughter Sarah. After an emotional first few scenes of the game, you jump ahead 20 years into the future, namely 2033, and civilization has been decimated by the infection. They are designated safe zones within the other country which are still attempting to rebuild, but often run by totalitarian regimes. 
You later company tests your smuggling partner, um, aiding a rebel militia known as the Fireflies to smuggle a little girl out of the quarantine zone that you're in um, on a journey that ultimately leads you to Salt Lake City. The story is filled with humor. There's tension, suspense, and action with a little bit of sneaking around, and it's worth every single hour for you. If you have not had the opportunity to play it on console, now is the perfect time for you to play this multi-award winning game. Um, you can find it on Steam and Epic Games for $59.99 for our international friends and $899 Rand for our South African listeners. Really and truly, if you haven't had a chance to play this on console or you don't own a console and you really want a game that is phenomenal, 100% get this. Is it is it too early to declare Last of Us the best gaming franchise turned to movie or series yet? Too early. Mm. Too I don't early. know. Too early. I don't know. I, I, well, what are its competitors? Hitman. Like, I don't think it's too early. Hitman's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the The Witcher season one was great. I, After that, I, it kind of. But then the it's Witcher. not the greatest because it got bad. But you have to wait for more seasons of The Last of Us. You have to wait for it to finish. Then we can have this conversation. It's too early, guys. Mm. Too early. I'm not, I'm not having this conversation right now. I'm not emotionally ready. It's 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 definitely a forerunner ahead of everything else. Like Resident yeah. Evil, the first movie, great. And it also just kind of not went stupid. away. However, I don't it's, think it's always it's bad for movies and show producers to deviate from the source material. No, um, it is. I'm okay as long as it's not completely wild. So, so it chase. depends on the deviation. So, like what they did in Last of Us with the um the 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 gay romance in the one episode that didn't happen in the game. It was like kind of sort of alluded to, but in this like super vague way that if you didn't want to think about it, you could just pretend that they were friends. You know, they were roommates or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and all you you never meet his lover. Uh, you you find out about a note and and whatever whatever. So I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it's done completely differently, and they kind of flesh it out. So what they did there was really good. But in, a, in something like The Witcher, with how much they changed and how much they just completely screwed up, like, like there are definitely levels of how many liberties you can take. You're also all forgetting the creators. Oh, sorry. You go, Richard. I don't know if I agree that it's bad to take liberties. You know, you're, you're taking a, a, a premise and you're turning it into something else. If I, if I played the game and I went to the series and I saw that whole fleshed out thing with... Um, Nick Offerman, I can't remember his character name. Nick, or Bill. Um, and I saw that fleshed out. To me, that would be great because I'm not just watching the game I played. I'm getting yep. a, a bit more depth and a bit more backstory. So as long as there's tenuous links at best to the story and if they're fleshing out, if it's like they're sort of going along the timeline and then every now and again, they just kind of splash out, spend an hour over here and then come back to it. I like that. I like the way that it gives extra lore and extra credence to all the things that are happening in the show. But uh, I don't. I don't agree. They should com completely change it. Like if Joel and Ellie were fundamentally different, I wouldn't like it. So yeah. I think it's. Uh, and you know. And if you don't like this, you can always watch the Tomb Raider movies. Yeah, it's like it's like oh it's like it's a requirement to add value and add depth and add world building. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, from what I'm, what I've, I haven't played the games, but from what I've read and, you know, seen versus the episodes, um, that, that uh, episode of Nick Offerman is about adding, you know, yeah. more detail and enriching the world. For me, it was, I mean, I just watched it, great. Um, just by the way, you're all forgetting the greatest video game adaptation movie of all time. It's Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And that's it, case closed. Let's move on to the next section. <sighs>
I suppose oh. everybody's in like, like entitled to their opinions. Even I feel like every time Chris wrong. opens his mouth, I just like lose respect for him. <laughs> I will say for anyone who's as picky of a gamer as me, um, Andrew did slightly allude to this, but sneaky, sneaky. It's it's very big on the sneaky, sneaky, which is why oh, yeah. as much as I love the story and I love the world and I'm loving the series, I cannot play the game because I do not have the patience for sneaky, sneaky. So. There you go. It, it's a really big part, a fundamental part of the mm -hmm. uh, the first game. Yeah, it's it's a really big part. And if you don't, you best make sure that you've got ammo, which they intentionally make sure that you've got very little of scattered around. Uh, but I digress about that. Going back to the little adaptation and things, what I liked what HBO did with the series as well was that they had the creators of the uh, the game involved throughout the movie process as well so they really went out of their way to make sure that it stayed with the game as much as possible they recreated a lot of those iconic scenes from the uh, the the from the uh, the game into the other uh, show and as you know richard said you know just the expanding on a couple of things as well it was really really good show even better game and my vote for probably best adaptation of a video game currently so as of today <laughs> so far as of today Everything is always so far. <laughs> you know, I'm like, going like, this is the greatest thing of all time, and I refuse to have my mind changed ever. It's always just so far. <laughs> you say that. I've met some people. <laughs> this is true. This Fans is true. of the Tomb Raider movies. God. <laughs> so, all right. Um, now some recent news. That's the perfect coming together of tech and gaming. Um, there's a story recently that details how the game Farming Simulator and real-world tractor makers and brands are working closer than ever to bring real-life accurate products into the game. So for manufacturers, the idea is very simple. They actually want to raise the profile of their brands and get their equipment into the hands of as many gamers who are actually farmers so they can field test their equipment for purchase. Many of these products, you know, tens and twenties and hundreds of thousands of dollars for these, you know, advanced products that, you know, you very rarely get to test. Um, you actually get to test them in the game. Um, and then, you know, potentially buy one. So companies apparently shared detailed engineering drawings of their equipment with Giant Software, uh, the, the developer behind Farming Simulator, so that those can be accurately simulated. How deep does the rabbit hole go? go? Uh, well, recently finished manufacturer Voltra announced their latest series of tractors at the same time as they were added to Farming Simulator 2022. So quite literally the trailers uh, for the in real life release and the game were released on the same day, which is absolutely mental. Um, uh, for the developer and players, it's an easy win as well. Um, they basically get their game to be the premiere in farming simulation with hyper-realistic detail, but with the added bonus for getting paid to continue to add dev to the game. So sales become, hopefully, just profit. Uh, as someone who just finished uh, Clarkson's Farm 2 on Prime Video, shout out, you know, Prime, thank you for paying us all that money. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, really good to see farmers and, you know, um, Jeremy Clarkson really fail at, at, at farming, but it does put, you know, an, an interesting spin on the game, on how manufacturers get to market um, and farmers in general. So uh, this is a game that I had, was not on my radar, I did not care about, and is now on my wish list and I'm looking at uh, very interestingly. Rich and I, I know you're a fan because you have not, you know, kept quiet about this all day. <laughs> Do you want to jump in? Yeah, when you buy it and it gets to the top of your wish list, let me know because we can multiplay and I, I will be very keen for it because I enjoy it. It's, it's one of those like digital Zen things for me, you know, like what do they call it? Um, digital yoga, digital meditation, where you can just like sit back and literally ride a tractor up and down a field in straight lines, 
uh, seeding or uh, cultivating or, or harvesting or whatever. And it is incredibly relaxing. So um, it's cool that this is happening. It's not the first time. I remember last year or maybe the year before Renault released a bunch of trucks, like new models of their trucks. And they actually did the launch and the release inside of Euro Truck Simulator 2. So this has happened before. And it's interesting that it's starting to gain traction amongst these sorts of games. I wouldn't necessarily call Farming Simulator super realistic. I think the, I think bugs spoil it a little bit every now and again. But it's the best you've got as a farming manufacturer. And because gaming and games are becoming so mainstream and so normal, and you see people like Caleb Cooper from your um, Clarkson's Farm on his uh, Instagram playing Farming Simulator, you're creating like a buzz around it. And yep. that's, I mean, that's free marketing, right? So you make it, you pay somebody to make in fact you probably find giants gives vulture licensing fees to have their stuff in their game or you give it to them for free because it's marketing but they'll model it and, and everything for you i've seen uh youtube videos of them actually going to these farming manufacturing places and doing like 3d scans of the stuff um laser scans and that and then incorporating it you know into their models and all that so it's it's done to scale and it's done super well and it's accurate and it's a very cool way of you know, cross branding things. And it makes a lot of sense because people who are, you know, people who have no interest in farming are not going to play farming simulator. So, you know, there's a, there is a good crossover and it's a good, I think it's a good marketing. Yeah. 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 I mean, can you imagine if like, so let's say EA partners with Ikea, right. And they release the new Sims game. And there's, instead of buy mode, you go to the furniture store and the furniture store is called Ikea. And all of the furniture in the Sims catalog are like things that you can get at Ikea or things that are like coming to Ikea. So you could be like virtually shopping for your real home in your fake home. And if you see something you like, you might actually go out and buy the real thing. I think that this type... Go back two sentences because I'm just taking notes here for my business plan. Carry on. <laughs> Can we just do this in life by you and not The Sims? Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, that one. Listen, I, I'm a diehard Sims fan. It's never going to change. So no, Let's pitch them both against each other. Whoever pays us more money wins. You know what? One has Ikea <laughs> true, and one has like, I don't know, YDA there's for a, like clothes. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of backlash against marketing and games, right? When you have... I think was it GTA or something where they had digital signage and they had real life adverts in the on the digital oh. signage when they I can't remember what game it was. There's a that's lot of backlash. Lazy there. marketing though. I mean that's super lazy. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they do it in farming simulator too. On the signboards in the towns in farming simulator, there's live ads, but but usually for giant software stuff. So it's not like it's you're not yeah. you're not seeing a Coke ad or whatever. But it does it does change. They are dynamic. Um, then why people and, have a problem with product placement? But the, your product placement is so much more subtle and so yes. much more kind of generally accepted than yeah. in-your-face marketing, and that's why this is a cool idea. Because to me, as a farming simulator person, I'm like, oh, new toys to buy and play with yeah. in the game. I don't see it as a marketing thing, but actually, that's exactly what it is in a way. The yeah. only thing I want to know is, can you purchase the same Lamborghini yeah, that's tractor? I that's all I care about. <laughs> <They're clocks. laughs> actually, that clocks so you could. In Farming Sim twenty, uh, Farming Sim twenty nineteen, you could, but there aren't actually any Lamborghini tractors in the base game in twenty twenty two. But there are mods on the mod hub that you can get that is the same. Not buying the game so, anymore. So the short the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, but you need to get a mod, uh-huh. and it's free to do. So uh, still out. No, I'm I'm in. I'm sold. I'm going to be adding <laughs> it to my wish list. I will never play this game. 
I, I will definitely give farming some a try. I ten yeah, out of ten. Add, you let, me, let me add it anyway. Richard can teach me how to hoe the field. Yeah, can you teach us how to hoe, please? <laughs> teach us how to plow those hoes. I've got to teach you how to field the hoe first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In this week's news, nobody cares about Far Cry 5's next gen release is getting closer. It's on its. Uh, Fifth anniversary this year. That's right. Five-year-old game is getting a next-gen release onto PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X. You'll get to replay the five-year-old game in 4K to 60 frames per second. And the games media are reporting that they sound kind of excited about it. Sure, it's the biggest-selling Far Cry debut title ever for Ubisoft and the second-highest-selling debut of all time for the company. But come on now, how about you leave it alone and release a Far Cry 7 for next-gen consoles? This is the cheap conversion that costs Ubisoft pennies and makes them dollars, and I hate it. It's like the Elder Scrolls Far Cry. This is going to be released on every platform ever. Look, yeah. Far Cry 5 is a great game. It's probably one of the best ones. It's probably the one of the ones that I spent the most time in outside of maybe Far Cry 3. I haven't even touched 6 yet. But But there's sort of, what's the point? Everybody that is excited about Far Cry 5 has surely played it in the last five years. Is anybody really going to buy it now that it's 60 frames per second, 4K versus whatever it was before, five years ago? I mean, if you never had it before and now you have a PS5 and now you want to play it, but I feel but like would that's you rather a very have Far Cry small... 7? What if Far Cry 7 is bad? <laughs> <laughs> What, what if we get like a, like a four light seventy six rehash? You know, like <laughs> I don't know. I just I just find this lazy. I just find it like one well, not lazy. I'm sure there's no, a lot of effort and work going into making it better. But so I don't want to sound like I'm knocking the developers because I'm not. I'm knocking the business decision to do it in the first place. That it's just a silly way to get a few more sales out of an old product because all you need to do is create some four K art instead of some ten eighty p art. And you've got your job done, you sell another 100,000 copies of your game instead of actually making a new one. Just because why? Because why? I mean, if I'm in Far Cry 5, you can still play it. It still looks perfectly fine at 1080p, 30 frames per second on a, on a Series S. That's how I played it. So, I, you know, it's just, just lazy. It's just like, it's just a way to keep your game in the media. And I suppose I'm helping them along here. Which, which one is Far Cry 5 again? That's the American uh, Southern... Joseph oh. Seed and his uh, cult. Eh, three was better. So, like, I was having this discussion with some people a little while ago about Lord of the Rings and how they want to make a bunch of new Lord of the Rings movies. And my take on remakes is, like, if you are remaking something because it was popular and now you're trying to milk that popularity for more money, I have a problem with that. But if you're remaking something that was an abysmal failure... Like, there were two attempts to make Lord of the Rings adaptations before the Peter Jackson famous trilogy, and both of those bombed. They were terrible. People don't even know that it existed. It was it was awful. And then Peter Jackson came along, and he made the trilogy, and it was, yeah, it was fantastic. It was wonderful and cool. I'm okay with that. That's fine. But if you then want to do something like this, so, like, remake a five-year-old game just because it was popular so that you can try and milk the popularity of something old instead of just doing something new. Yeah, it it, it feels really lazy. It's, it's, I just want to put on the record that I watched the animated Lord of the Rings before the movies came out, so I am one of the people that has heard about it. Congratulations, <laughs> you're old. Hundred. <laughs> That's a safe. It's a safe thing to make a Lord of the Rings thing, right? Even if you hate it, you're still going to watch it because it's Lord of the Rings or play it because it's Lord of the Rings. And and it's a it's a world that is perfectly suited for video games. So it's a it's a safe 
safe space. And I know it was just an example, um, but I don't but know. I think, I think Bethesda has got the same like mentality when it comes to Skyrim. And I know that my wife is going to hear this. Mm. And I'm she's saying, our one listener. She, she's one of the three. And she's she has got just about every single remake of Skyrim there is and it makes no sense I why it's just it's the very first skyrim then it was the you know the special edition then it was the enhanced yep. and then it was the this deluxe super it's like there's six seven eight different remakes of the same game bethesda please just give us freaking skyrim six or elder scrolls six or whatever the case is and you don't count elder scrolls online as number six nope. like Penguin, just give us six you're sleeping on the couch tonight. How dare you? Each <laughs> one of those iterations was glorious. I played each of them for probably 27.9 hours. Brilliant. It they each just better. pushed Elder the envelope. Elder Scrolls 6 is coming. So. <laughs> just please, just give us, give us Elder Scrolls 6. So that, and, and let's get out of the mentality of, of pushing the same game and just push it. Hey, guys, it's on this console. And then the next one comes out. Hey, guys, here's it on that console as well. It's a great game and all. Just either make your stuff backwards compatible or but just not, make a new one. They're not porting Far Cry 5. They're not making it available on an Xbox Series S where it was. No, they're just remaking it. They're just making it nicer. They're making it look yeah. a bit better. So the it's different to like the Skyrim, Skyrim train where you're just like, oh, oh, wait, hold on. Somebody's like Texas Instruments has released a new graphing calculator. Get it on there. Like it's it's different to that. It's it's just in, improving the graphics, and it's it's a free patch for owners. But the point is not to give the free patch to the owners. The point is to sell a few more copies of an old uh, game that is no longer relevant to any. Well, it's, it's relevant, but a new game that's maybe not making any sales anymore. So you just increase the the, the art quality, and you're good to go for a little bit longer. It's very. It, it's also like Rockstar when they decided to try and push Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition games, which yeah. were terrible and buggy as well um, oh who remembers the remake of warcraft <laughs> warcraft 3's remake we are. Yes. it was a bit of a failure Ooh. anyway the best thing to come out of skyrim as everybody knows is that quote from the brown the dark brotherhood that says when life gives you lemons go murder a clown <laughs> um just while we're on the topic of ubisoft i see that ubisoft are and I, I was thinking of bringing this up but i didn't think that it was a big enough segment so but since we're on ubisoft i can say it um they will not be at e3 for anyone who is expecting ubisoft to be there they are going to have their own announcement show thing at some point because ooh, something ooh. about they want to go in a different direction i don't know yeah, it's all pr know, speak, think... but they're gonna have their own thing E3 has basically become a Microsoft Xbox thing now. It's pretty much the only thing going on there. Nintendo does their own thing. Bethesda does their own thing. And it's like streaming platforms. Everyone Ubisoft, does their own yeah. thing. Like, why? Yeah. why? E3 is not long for this world. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's on live support. Yeah. <laughs> well, that rounds up our, our news in gaming this week. Thank you so much for joining us for episode three of Your, Your Week in Gaming. And once again, shout out to our friends over at Esports Central for partnering with us on this uh, podcast. You can find us over on Twitter at YWIG Podcast. I am Andrew, and you can find me on Twitter at My Name is Pengu. I'm Sam, and if you really want to, you can find me on Twitter at Naori Mizuki. Good luck spelling that. Rog Boots. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Richard just finds a new, a new unenthusiastic way for people to try and find him every single um, week. I am Sagan, and you can find me at Prime Video, at Prime Video. 
<laughs> you can find me at the club. What? <laughs> Our next episode will be out on Friday, 7th of April, 2023 at 7 a.m. GMT plus two and across all major podcast platforms. Woo! Woo! Finally. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. We got Bye. the blow by blow on, on, Twitter, on WhatsApp today about all the different <laughs> podcast platforms we are on. It was riveting for you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good day. <laughs> Bye.